0: And then I started losing my cool. And then you what? Then I started losing my cool. What's that? Huh? I,
1: I, I don't know what words you're saying. I can't understand. Are you said you started the Zoom call and then everything went downhill? No. I started to lose my cool. Oh! So it sounded like you were summoning a god or something and I was like why are you summoning like random gods and to help your parenting is that actually helping or not (laughs) that's why I was like maybe you know something I don't know I don't know
0: if I thought that would help I'd do it Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on June 28th, we will be discussing our top 10 favorite authors. Then on July 5th, we'll be talking about how this year is going for us so far, looking over our TBR list that we made at the beginning of the year, and talking about the books we've actually read. <laughs> and don't forget to check out our Patreon. You can get shoutouts, books from our TBR, access to our You Should Read This Book miniseries, and so much more. The perks start for as little as a dollar a month. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patron, Ronnie. May your coffee be excellent and your
1: books enthralling. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are jumping into Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which is the fourth book in the Harry Potter series. This one takes place when Harry Potter is 14, and let me tell you, boy, is it full of 14-year-olds.
0: <laughs> oh, man, isn't it?
1: <laughs> like, between this one and the next one, I'm like, ooh, man, are there some hormones going on. Like, literally... All the teenage feels. Yeah, it's like literally the entire time. So I listen to these once again. God, I'm listening to this book, and I'm thinking... on you're stupid harry get it together only person with a good clear head is hermione no one else pretty much oh my god i know man i remember so this is one of the ones i actually had to wait to get and i remember anticipating when this book came out like i'm so excited i Um, Use Amazon to have delivered to my doorstep the day that it was released. Like, I never went to any Harry Potter, like, release parties or anything. But definitely got a day of. It was super exciting.
0: Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that you never went to any of the parties.
1: (laughs) And that involves people. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my favorite activity sometimes. If I don't know who, if I don't know people, I won't go to it. I don't don't like strangers. (sighs) I know the feeling. Well, when did you first read this book?
0: Well, I read all these in high school, so I don't know, sophomore, junior year, something like that,
1: A- around there, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I really don't remember. Like,
1: that was part of the
0: several years of my life from like from like fourth grade through high school. I just consumed so many books. I've really like have no firm, yes, this is the year that I read this book for most of the
1: things that I read.
0: (laughs) Like, here's the ballpark estimate.
1: Well, this one was published in July 2000, which I do remember when it was published. Mm -hmm. Because that was right after my sixth grade year. And I had just finished the first three books. And I was like, what happens next? And of course, (laughs) this came out and I loved it. I devoured it. It was great. I was, of course, mind blown by the book. And since it came out in July, I'm pretty sure I took this book with me to camp. Mm-hmm. Which I think I did with every single book that was released. Except for, I feel like the last book, I did not take it to camp. And I just read it at home. because I think it came out at the right time. Oh, so good. Yes, I do. I really enjoy this one. There's
0: so many elements of this one that I think... I feel like this is probably one of my top two. I don't know. I debate between which one's actually my favorite of the seven. And it depends on the day.
1: I understand that. Well, how about we dive into a summary? We'll dive into characters. I really want to hear more about your thoughts. All right. As Harry Potter
0: approaches his fourth year at Hogwarts, his greatest ambition is to attend the Quidditch World Cup. But the fun is quickly brought to a halt when the dark mark, the sign of Lord Voldemort himself, is seen hanging in the sky above the campgrounds for the games. And when Harry's name is drawn from the Goblet of Fire to participate in the Triwizard Tournament, more sinister plots begin to unfold.
1: I definitely feel like, like that summary you gave is kind of one of those chilling summaries. This is truly the book I feel like where, quotation, the plot starts, especially with lord voldemort and everything Mm -hmm. i feel like when we
0: hit this book it really starts being it starts on that like dark downward hill kind of thing because the first three books are just like yeah we Mm -hmm. have a magic school sure there's a bad guy that we need to defeat but magic right everything will be fine because we got magic no big deal right and then this book you really start seeing like the expanding of the world and The
1: darker side of things, (laughs) and it gets so intense. Like, like intense. I'm trying to think intensity level. I felt like this was one of the more intense books. Like, I felt like Half Blood Prince was not as intense, but I feel like between this one and Order of the Phoenix, like Order of the Phoenix has, like, they're so parallel with intensity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they're different levels of intensity. Yeah, well, and that's why like I flip-flop back and forth between four
0: and five being my favorite because like there's different elements of each one that I love, but that, but neither of them ever really like definitively comes out on top.
1: Mm, I don't know either; they're both good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, shall I jump into characters? Yes, please do. All right. Of course, our main character is Harry Potter. He is the hero and protagonist of the book. In this book, he is 14, 15, 14. We have his best friend, Ron Weasley. Um, and of course, one of my favorite things about Ron is all of his family, because we also get featured Jordan, um, George, and Fred almost said like Forge or something really odd, like together, whatever. What they usually call themselves, Forge. <laughs> Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, We have George and Fred, and we have Percy, and of course we have Jenny, but even more exciting in this book, we also got to see Bill and Charlie, which I thought was really cool. And of course, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, they're also wonderful people, and we get to see them once again. Hermione, of course, makes an appearance, as always, the most level-headed, smartest, most clever, well-read. Thank God she's in this trio because she keeps them grounded without her. Maybe screwed, and we uh, we run into so many people. We run into Hagrid, Sirius Black, of course. There's Albus Dumbledore. We're going to run into Voldemort as well, and we run in, into some new characters. We run into Mad Eye Moody, who is a grizzled, eccentric, skilled, retired Dark Wizard catcher. How do we say that word? Over, over, over. Yeah, I'm real good at pronunciation. Who is the new Defense Against um, Dark Arts teacher? He is a delightful teacher, by humble opinion. I
0: do like Moody.
1: I do like Moody. We also encounter Rita Skeeter, who is a nosy middle-aged reporter. Mm, she's very special. We, She's always a very interesting character. Whenever She runs around the book. Mm-hmm. And we have all of our professors, once again. Carlani makes an appearance along with Professor McGonagall and Professor Snape. And we get to meet some other teachers. We get to meet Kakaroff, the headmaster of the drum, st- drum string school. We also get to meet uh, Madame Maxine, the headmistress of Beaux-Boutons. Out Beaux-Boutons. In France Beauxbatons. Wow, yes. It's French. I'm, <laughs> I am so good at pronunciation.
0: It's French. I'll give you that one. it's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then in addition to them, they also bring in Floor, which is the from Baton. And we also get to meet Victor Crumb, who is from Drumstring as well. There's also Cedric Diggory, who is in Hufflepuff, and Cho Chang, who's in Ravenclaw. And we kind of round out, of course, with some other... Main char- main characters that make a good appearance. Draco Malfoy is also in here with his croonies. We also get to meet... Not meet. We get to see Neville Longbottom as well. And it is a large cast. And there are so many characters in this book. There's even Winky and Dobby are in here, which are house elves. And we just keep going down the list.
0: Yeah, this is legit, like, where the long books begin.
1: <laughs> yes. And, like, that's not even every single student we run into every single ministry worker who appears like that's one thing i highly enjoy i feel like this book can be sectioned off into three distinct parts first sir we get to go to the world quidditch cup and we get to see the wizarding life as adults then we have hogwarts and the tri-wizard tournament which is awesome and then we have the conclusion which has like a whole other set of characters this is a thick book but it's a wonderful thick book. Yes, for sure. All right. So, through characters kind of ran through the summary. I am so interested to hear about your favorite characters. All right. This is a good time to take a break. All right. We'll talk to you in a minute, guys. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is?
0: Or... Do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it?
1: I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show.
0: Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you have not read Harry Potter and the Goblin of Fire, or at least watched the
1: movie... Please pause right here, go read the book, and then come back and talk to us. I like how we tell you, don't just go read them, read the movie. Well, don't just go and watch the movie, but actually read the book. You can skip the movies, it's okay. Yeah, the movies just they weren't bad, but they weren't they weren't the books. I have big opinions about the movies. Oh yes. As do you. So Abby, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell me your favorite characters in this book? Sure.
0: So I really enjoy Hermione in this book.
1: I'm on the fence about SPEW. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) S-P-E-W. SPEW. How to make bad acronyms one-on-one. Here we go. (laughs) I know, right?
0: (laughs) But I very much appreciate what she is trying to do, and I appreciate her drive and her absolute determination to change things for house elves. I think that's great. I think a big problem comes in when she doesn't listen to the house elves. So that's just like, that's my issue with Spew, is that she doesn't listen to the house elves. And I know the house elves themselves are like, kind of a touchy subject in the fandom because like they say they enjoy basically being enslaved and that's just all kinds of all kinds of something yeah it's all kinds of something and so the house elves in general are just kind of a touchy subject but I appreciate what she was trying to do I don't think she did it well (laughs) but I appreciate that she was trying she made some effort
1: Kind of bad, but she made the effort. Yes, she made the effort.
0: I also appreciate her because, God bless, what a friend.
1: Oh my God, I know. Like, I will talk about Ron later, but
0: (laughs) Hermione is true blue friend loyalty right here because literally through thick and thin through this book she sticks by Harry's side is always on his side is always backing him up is always trying to help him out however she can it just uh, what a good friend she truly shows what a great friend she is in this book she, she, and is, she is not appreciated
1: oh, and she is so patient with them
0: oh my gosh she is so patient with the teenage boy she's friends with So I just, I love Hermione in this book. She is fantastic. I also love Fred and George in this book because they are starting to show off their ambitions of a joke shop and some of the things that they're coming up with. I appreciate their creativity and their ambition to and lean towards um, being businessmen, which is not something you would expect from the pranksters but I really love their general storyline in that direction because I can't think of a better way for them to be going, you know? Right.
1: Like, I mean, like, and they're ambitious. Like, I'm I'm like, come on, Mrs. Weasley, praise your kids. Look at them being inventive and granted their prank stuff is a a little, maybe not good for the general population, but they're ambitious. They're trying. Yeah, like
0: I can understand her being upset about the ten tongue, the ten tongue. Yeah, the ten tongue talking yep. thing. Yeah, like I'd be pissed if one of my kids did that to another kid, regardless of how uh, evil that kid may be. <laughs> like that's just not something you do. But I mean, as a mom, impre- appreciate those ambitions. I wouldn't like them used on me. They would definitely get in trouble for that. They would get in trouble for using them on their siblings.
1: Probably get in trouble using them on their friends as well, but... Yes, but I would also be, like, trying to direct it to more
0: willing participants. You know? Like,
1: yes, this is great. Maybe try it on yourselves instead. I am sure they did. And I'm sure they're like, this is fantastic. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So I really wish they got more
0: credit for all of the cool stuff that they're inventing. Like I know they take their owls or whatever, and they just like get barely enough kind of thing. But seriously, if throughout this book, you see how much effort they are putting into this
1: and Mm -hmm. you just got
0: to think if their ambitions were more academic than inventive, they would have swept the board with owls and their mom would have been completely blown away.
1: This this is where we go back to not everyone has to be successful in academics to be successful in life. Like they are obviously more, they're more tradesmen. And that's perfectly fine. They're inventors. They're smart. They're, they're, you know, they're just getting it done. And it's awesome. You know, it's kind of like, They don't have to get these owls and be awesome at potions. And well, but I feel like that the Pin Tongue Toffee was probably a concoction out of potions. And their Joke One is a transfiguration spell, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I just don't think the twins get enough credit
0: for how smart they are. I agree. I agree with that. But they're so busy working on their own goals. They're not paying as much attention to their class stuff. Mm-hmm. I know people like that. It honestly, you can do brilliant things with that kind of ambition and smarts, and it doesn't have to be in the classroom. And that's a good thing. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, I think the twins are very underrated geniuses. Uh, I also love Hagrid. Hagrid just deserves better in general. (laughs) This poor guy, (sighs) like admitting finally that he's a half giant and being sweet on Madame Maxine and having her just completely deny that she's also part giant and having his name dragged through the mud by Rita Skeeter. And (sighs) he's just, he's too good for all this.
1: He is too good for everyone. Like I Hagrid is like, he's a pure spirit. You know what I mean? Hmm. Well, and I loved when after
0: Rita drags Hermione's name through the mud and she starts getting hate mail, I forget what happens, but she ends up with the boys down at Hagrid's hut, basically crying about all of it because it's too much for her, and Hagrid is the one to like cheer up and give her the pep talk and be like you and me we've got this she dragged my name through the mud too and I'm still here and fighting and you're gonna do just as good and like
1: Hagrid he's just too he's just awesome.
0: I love Hagrid in every book.
1: <laughs> I agree. I, I I see nothing wrong with that. He he's just a good guy, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Yeah he really is all right and then the last one I have is Madame Pomfrey she got the first genuine like out loud laugh from me when I was rereading this
1: (laughs) because that woman She's probably sick and tired of all these kids why can you not stop breaking shit you know well even in a normal
0: year all the stuff that she has to see and then The previous year, she saw freaking Dementors and had to deal with that nonsense. And this year is dragons. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's, she's tending to the champions after they dealt with the dragons. And she says something about Dementors last year, now dragons, what's next? (laughs) Like,
1: he really doesn't (laughs) want to know what's next.
0: Like, I love you, Madame Pomfrey. You go. (laughs) you do your job awesomely and you don't get appreciated. So I'm appreciating you right now.
1: (laughs) You're going to give her a raise. I would give her a huge raise. (laughs) Oh, all right. So tell me about your favorites then. I am a sucker for Hermione. Hermione, I'm pretty sure I've stated has been like my favorite character in every single book so far. Dear God. Okay, so I like this for a few different things. I like it. I don't know where to start. She is a good friend. She is a good friend to Harry and Ron, even when they're absolutely terrible people to her. I love that she gets her moment to shine when she gets to go to the ball with Victor Krum, And just like, mm-hmm. you know, we see those sparks of envy and jealousy in Ron. We can't stop watching her. And you're like, yeah, buddy. Like you were a jerk to her. It's time for you to stop being one because not only is she like this brilliantly smart person, she's also beautiful, and you just now notice. And someone else is taking her to a dance, and you're not. And you could have, but you're stupid. Hmm. That's more about him. But she, like, once again, she's smart, and she just, just appreciate like how hard she tries to. Help Harry with the tournament, preparing for it, and her loyalty really, I just love for love There's nothing I just, I, there's nothing I don't dislike about her except in the first book, which we are well past, so we're fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I like that we get to see Charlie Weasley for a hot second. Yes. <laughs> so I like two things. One, I like I like that we get to see Bill and Charlie, and I like that Bill works for a bank, but he has long hair and like a a. I, I think it's a dragon tooth earring. I can't remember precisely what it is. And he's like this crazy person. He's like, mom, they don't really care what I do at the bank. I go and get treasure from Egyptian tombs and, and curses and bring more crap for the bank. They don't care what I wear as long as I bring them treasure. Right. And then there's Charlie, who a little bit more clean cut, but covered in all these scars. And he's like, I wrinkle dragons in Romania. And you're like, <laughs> okay, that's the job. But I like how we get to see him and then we get to see him again at the um, tournament wrangling more dragons and you're like, you crazy boy, but okay. Yeah.
0: Well, and shout out to Charlie Weasley getting a letter out of the blue from his youngest brother going, hey, there's an illegal dragon at my school. Could you mind like pick it up for me? and charlie just writes back going yeah sure my friends will swing by and grab it no big deal
1: <laughs> good thing he's got some friends right no yeah he is a good brother no questions asked sure buddy i got that for you no problems i probably should have mentioned that in the episode for the first book but i love that part like I know. just the unquestioning well i always i always feel like that chapter is so random but it you know, I also i I'm like, was J.K. Rowling thinking ahead at all about the family? Kind of writing stuff in? What did you think about this book at all? Or, or she just kind of was like, I wrote about a dragon in book one. Let's throw some dragons over here too with some Charlie, whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't know how much foresight she actually had in book one. I know. I just, man, good brother, Charlie. Good brother. <laughs> and then my final most enjoyable favorite character of this book is mad Eye moody what an eccentric crazy man who is brought in to teach children how to defend against the dark arts okay the guy that is so paranoid that he char or like did a counter curse against his trash can because he heard it rustling around who is drinking out of a flask and just kind of crazy mm-hmm. and raving and running through the hallways and teaching them about the three unmentionable curses. Yes, definitely the man I want to teach my children, for sure. <laughs> but I love him. <laughs>
0: so, so here's the problem. Do you like Mad-Eye Moody or do you like Barty Crouch Jr. as Mad-Eye Moody?
1: Spoiler alert. Um, I probably <laughs> like Barty Crouch Jr., honestly, because that's who was Mad-Eye Moody in the book. I like mm-hmm. Mad, Mo- Mad I Moody the teacher, which is Barty Crouch Junior. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: I also love the fact that he was David Tennant, who played Doctor Who, and the moment in this, you know, in in the um, movie, but the moment like rewatching Goblet Fire, I'm like, it's the Doctor, and I'm like, wait, David Tennant. Ooh, okay, <laughs> cool, okay. this is good. I did that a few years ago. After
0: Tenet's run, I had, was watching a random Harry Potter movie again. And it happened to be the Goblet of Fire, and it was one of those. He popped up, and I went, "David Tenet's in this? What?" Yes, like, he is. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. This, this is England. They have four actors. <laughs> yes, yes they do. Um, just like I was watching 101 Dalmatians, the live action movie, and I was like. The guy that plays Jasper, I'm like, that actor, who is that actor? Yep. Who is this? And I kept thinking, I'm like, I know this actor. I'm like, was he a doctor? I'm like, no, not a doctor. And he was a doctor. He's house from the show <laughs> House. But like, literally, I'm like, is he a doctor from Doctor Who? No. But is he? And then I was like, I've seen him before. Like, anyway, yeah, you're right. England only has like five actors, so it's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yes, I love Mad-Eye Moody because he also has one of my favorite scenes that we'll talk about later. But yeah, (laughs) love him. Probably one of, besides Lupin, he's my second favorite Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. No,
0: probably because he was the next most effective
1: Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. I mean, he was competent at least, yes. Sure, he, he wanted to murder
0: Harry, but I mean he was competent at what he did hey
1: he taught Harry some stuff exactly probably shouldn't have taught Harry some stuff but he did you know it's Fine. you gotta make some sacrifices
0: to keep your cover sometimes sure <laughs> <laughs> i your least mean, favorite characters oh my god I hate Ron I hate Ron so much in this book like oh my god teenage boys no. Are not great characters, anyways. And Ron is just feeling himself in this book, and let me tell you, that's not a pleasant thing. <sighs> Hates what a little um, <clears throat> he is <laughs> to Harry after Harry gets drafted into the Triwizard Tournament, like. Dude, that's your best friend. Do you really think he wouldn't have told you? He literally tells you everything. And you're just going to be jealous because of, of what? Because he's still getting more attention than you? Like, that,
1: that's a normal thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. Ron has a complex in this book. So I'm going to jump right on the Ron train. Ron is the most obnoxious character in this book. Okay? Oh, my God. Like... Even our villains are better than Ron in this book. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like Mad Eye Moody is my favorite character, and he's the, the he's a villain in this book. I know, and Ron sucks. Ron is so freaking annoying. He's obnoxious. He's oh,
0: also, it completely pisses me off how he treats Hermione.
1: Mm-hmm. Like. That, that's 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 my biggest pet peeve because he is such. A little twat. Like, this is your best friend. Like, yes, you are unknowingly having a crush on her, and you are unwittingly acting like an idiot because you're not admitting your feelings for her, but you don't need to be a jerk.
0: Yeah, he's an absolute twat in this book, and I hate what a jerk he is. Like, every sentence out of his mouth to her, especially surrounding the events of the Yule Ball, are just they make me want to punch him every time he opens his mouth. Like what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're insulting her. You're insulting the girl you actually got to go with. You're ignoring the girl you actually got
1: to oh I forgot about that. Like I forgot how much how badly he treated ooh which one is it? Pravani he goes with or Lavender. No mm-hmm. it's Padma oh. and Pavardi and they're the twins. Yeah. Yes he went with he went with Pavardi right? I think so. Yes. That's the one that's sticking out, yeah.
0: Mm, I would, see that. I'm like, first off, you got a cute girl to go with you. And you're completely ignoring her. You're being rude to her. You refuse to dance with her or even speak to her. And you were the one who was being a little piss in about, oh, well, I don't want to take an ugly girl. Like, you're such a great catch. And then Hermione shows up. And he decides to be a little twat to her and everything out of his mouth is insulting to her. And then he ends up getting into an argument with her and making her cry. Like, yeah, I don't like 14 year old little boys. I hate Ron so much in this book. And I don't even care that he like made up with Harry. Like screw Harry. Who cares? You made a girl cry. Like, you're a genuinely horrible person in this book. Also, I will just say, I'm not I'm not against his and Hermione's later relationship, but I'm also not a fan.
1: Yeah, it was not the uh, relationship I was gunning for, honestly. Nope. I was always more of a Harry-Hermione shipper. See, and
0: I could have gone with Harry-Hermione. I could have gone with, uh, for a while there, uh, I think J.K. Rowling was planning on doing Fred and Hermione. Which I would have been fine with as well okay. yeah but just like Ron and Hermione is like the last pairing I would have picked for either of them yeah yeah so um the other person I don't particularly like in this book is Rita Skeeter
1: <laughs> by the way BT does um PS there's other there's one other person I didn't actually like <laughs> after Ron rants yeah, you
0: know, she she's she's obnoxious. She drags Heger's name through the mud. She drags Hermione's name through the mud. Mm-hmm.
1: So I just I don't like her. Um, um and PS I hate Ron. But you have to admit <laughs> I love Rita Skeeter's what is it? Circumstance? Circumstance? that I don't come up in? Come up when um she I don't remember who has her in the jar, but she's the little beetle with her glasses. Hermione
0: has her in the jar. Hermione
1: has her in the jar. That's this one. Hermione, Hermione's freaking awesome. Oh, um, uh-huh. and she's just like, I <laughs> have her in my jar. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> not really quite. Ha, ha ha. But she's gonna. I love the way that is described too, because
0: Harry notes that Hermione's clearly been like waiting to tell them, but not wanting to like. Disturbed whatever like solemn moment was happening before. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) You can tell she's just like so proud of herself, and I was so proud of her too. (laughs) Why Hermione is our number one favorite character in this book. This book should have just been called Hermione and screw everybody else. Yeah. Hermione's awesome. Actually, the whole (laughs) series can just be called that. I kind of wish it was Hermione Granger. And All the crap Harry did, and we don't care about it. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not a fan of Harry. This is where I really stop liking Harry, is in this book and the next books. Mm -hmm. I really don't like Harry in the next book. I will probably do a rant on that one. (laughs) But this is when he starts getting a little bit more hormonal hormonal no hmm, having more hormones and he's more thinking about cho chang a lot and i'm like okay buddy like i get it you have a crush on her good okay and x next part of the book okay you still have a crush on her got it (laughs) and he's just doesn't for being the title character he's just kind of boring in this book. It's like, oh, look, Harry got put into the tournament. Okay, no surprise there. Oh, oh look, Harry, something bad is going to happen. I just mm-hmm. kind of bored with it and kind of bored with Harry by this point where I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to know more about the Wizarding World and less about Harry. Mm-hmm.
0: Part of the problem with Harry is that he's not observant. And he doesn't ask nearly enough questions. But I mean, like, his lack of asking questions is totally understandable because his aunt uncle basically beat into him not to ask mm. questions ever. So, like, I understand, but it makes him kind of a sucky main character sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's like, how did you miss this? Like, it's right there, buddy. Yeah. Well, I'm like, hey, guess what?
0: there's other magic schools and Harry's just like oh I never thought about that (laughs) like Harry you're such a jock please read a book other than things about quidditch teams (laughs) right
1: which I mean I like that but I again I wish we we could follow Hermione and all the other classes, all the things she learned. We can learn so much more about the Wizarding World than Harry. Yeah. Alright. So, we have beat that dead horse, and let's move on to our favorite scenes. Oh, Abby, your favorite scene is my favorite scene. When this came up in the audiobook, I texted you, and I'm like, I forgot about the scene. The scene is so good. Tell us about the scene. Oh, Ferret
0: Malfoy. Everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> Oh, Malfoy and Harry draw wands. and Oh, no. Malfoy draws his wand on Harry's back and Professor Moody intervenes, turns him into a ferret and makes him go bouncing around until Professor McGonagall intervenes and goes, wait a minute. We don't do that to students. And <laughs>
1: he's like, oops, did I do that to the student? And he's like, but I'm teaching him a lesson. A delightful <laughs> lesson. Yes. Oh, my God. That scene is so good. So it also, it's funny, it puts mad Eye Moody on my radar of, oh, this is awesome. Awesome makes me go, oops, this professor's kind of scary. Might turn you into a ferret. Okay. But then I like it later when, I don't know if they're eating or they're the library, but Draco, you know, they're eating. So they must be in the cafeteria, whatever it's called, the Great hall. And break home, mutter something about mudbloods, and Hermione's like, oh, Professor Booty, and then he freaks out, and she was like, ha-ha, you little ferret. Don't mess with me anymore. Yes.
0: Oh, that was such a great trick to pull on Malfoy. <laughs> hmm. So, because I dislike how much Mrs. Weasley rags on Fred and George for their inventions and not being like their older brothers, which is mm. freaking hilarious to me. Like, woman, you've gone through three children already, but by the time you got into Fred and George, why would you expect them to be like their older brothers? Mm-hmm. Even their older brothers aren't alike.
1: But she compares them to Bill and how Bill was head boy and had all of the owls and all of the nudes, and even Charlie managed to scrape enough to get a decent job and then there's perfect percy god percy is freaking obnoxious least favorite character is percy percy hands down like yeah percy sucks yeah but anyway he doesn't matter Yeah, he's inconsequential but i really
0: so after she's been ragging on them and just not being the best mom she could be for them they go to the quidditch world cup and all she hears is about the dark mark hanging over the field and like Because they don't have telephones, because they're wizards, (laughs) she has no idea, no way to contact them, and no idea what's actually happened, like, if any of them are okay. And so, when Fred and George show back up, she immediately is in tears, just, like, apologizing, going, I just kept thinking... What if the last thing I had said to you was the fact that you hadn't gotten enough owls and just like apologizing to them? And I'm like, yes, this is good. (laughs) Like, it definitely tugged on my heartstrings because as a mom, I can imagine doing that because, you know, I'm human. So I'm not always going to say the best things as like the last thing before my kids go to bed at night or go off to play or something and just like yeah it just got me the mama feels Mm -hmm. like yes Mrs. Weasley's human too she makes mistakes so I really enjoyed that I also really liked just all the world expansion scenes where you got to see um the Bobaton and the Durmstrang students and you got to hear about their schools and that sort of thing like Crum at one point is telling Hermione about the castle where the Durmstrang students are and you get kind of an idea of what it's like living there and just I love all the scenes that give you that that's
1: part of the reason I like this book so much is all the world expansion <laughs> that's true it's probably one of the books that does the most world expansion besides the last book oh for sure all right so what about you uh, Ferret Malfoy, hands down, best scene in this book. Like, I love it, love it. The next thing, though, so this book has one of my favorite scenes. You know, it's like not like one of my most favorite books. I love, I love dragons. Dragons are my favorite, favorite mythological creatures, right? Mm-hmm. I love the dragon task, the first task of the Triwizard Tournament. I love the fact that for them, when they get it. They reach into a bag and they pull out these cute little miniature dragons. And I'm like, oh, I want one. I really want one. They're so cute. <laughs> and I love like the four different breeds that they describe. I love that. I wish we got to see um, the other participants in their dragon pass, basically. We just get to, you know, read about Harry's because it's all from Harry's point of view. And he didn't get to watch the other wizards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But man, I'm just like, this is so much fun. I love dragons so much. I really want my own little miniature dragon, okay? Okay. Okay. I don't want the big ones. They're kind of scary. But the little ones are really cute. (laughs) I also, like, so I'm not a really big, puzzly person, but I I liked how in the second trial that Cedric helped Harry. Like, it was good sportsmanship. He's like, hey, like, if you take the egg and you go to the Prefix bathroom put the egg in the water, Harry's like, what do I do? And I'm like, come on, Harry. Like, He's giving you a clue, pick up on the context, (laughs) go to the bathroom, put the egg in the water, buddy. You know, slow on the uptake. But anyway, but I I love that scene where he goes to that bathroom and this bathroom has all of these valves and all these bubbles. And he pours all this crap in. And I'm like, oh, you're gonna be so smelly when you come out, but that's fine. But I wish I could go encounter that bath. You know what I mean? Okay. So really. Yes my favorite scene is not about the egg it's about the freaking bathroom like I love that bathroom so much. no I love Um, that bathroom (laughs) wasn't morning Myrtle in that bathroom too yeah because she was spying on him man like I'm like girl you look creepy like you (laughs) cannot be creeping up on the boys while they're taking baths because that's just awkward like I know you got nothing better to do the last 50 years but really
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: but I understand she's also a 13 year old trapped forever as a ghost. What else are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Um, <laughs> also, uh, you kind of hinted on it, but I love the world expansion, I love the world building. I love the scene where the schools arrive. That's one of my favorite scenes of the book where the, dun- tr- the du- drumstrung like, drum ship comes out of the water. And you're just like... Because, you know, they have that giant lake that then has their um, giant squid. Here comes a ship. And you're just like, okay, that's the way to travel. <laughs> and then when the French school flies in with the carriage and do they have Pegasus pulling the carriage? Just, just horses of
0: some sort. Flying horses of some sort.
1: Some kind of flying horses. And then Hagrid's so happy to take mm-hmm. care of them. And I'm like, well, oh, I'm like, you're so cute. <laughs> I love you. I love that. I, I love... Just that scene. And I love all the ways the wizarding world differs from just the regular muggle world, you know?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And that's the stuff. Well, I know I didn't write any, but
0: I have a bunch.
1: (laughs) That's good. I was like, so Abby, what are your least favorite scenes? Because I don't sure see any on your notes. Oh, I just forgot to write them down. So Ron, being
0: a little jerk, when right after Harry's name is pulled out of the Goblet of Fire I hate it I hate the entire sequence where Ron and Harry are just like dragging their feet to ask girls to to the Yule Ball and Ron is talking about how he doesn't want an ugly one and he doesn't want to go with this one girl because her nose isn't straight or something and I'm just like you little turd (laughs) it just it annoyed the crap out of me how long it took them to ask anyone like I know you're 14 I know this is a big deal to you but for the love just do it and I hate the entire Yule Ball scene anytime Ron is there because he's such a horrible person in this book so he anytime he was like Speaking during the Yule Ball scenes, I hated it. I hate everything surrounding him. Mm-hmm. He's such a horrible oh, person. Even after, and like, finding out that Hagrid is a half-giant, Harry's just like, yeah, and? And Ron's like, well, oh, this is such a big deal. I'm like,
1: no, you're just a jerk. <sighs> oh, man. Honestly, a lot of the scenes with Ron in this book, she's just... He is such a Debbie Downer throughout this whole book. Like, I know he's combating Hermione liking Victor Crumb. He's combating Harry being famous regardless. And then being in this tournament. And then there's just Ron. Mm-hmm. So I know he's having a complex issue. But I just do not like 14-year-old boys, apparently. Well, and
0: I think part of the problem for me is that, like... He's so judgy of the girls that he sees. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I understand you're a teenage boy, and teenage boys are probably pretty judgy. Teenage girls are probably pretty judgy.
1: Oh, they're, I mean, they're judgy right now in my Girl Scout um, day camp unit. I'm leading, and these are like fourth graders. So, yeah, they're judgy. Mm-hmm.
0: But that doesn't give you any right. To talk about girls the way he was talking about them, yeah. you know. Oh yeah, I'm like, with you. everything about Ron annoys me in this book. I hate every scene where he pops up. I'm noticing that is my trend. Like all the scenes, I really hate. He's there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yes.
0: Also, just a side note.
1: Can you imagine what a crappy spectator sport this was for the second and third? tasks right like i was thinking about that i was like i thought for the um no they both would suck actually i can't think of like any good way to watch either one those two no those are like those are where you need mobile technologies you can like
0: have cameras following each one of them and have them up on jumbotrons Mm -hmm. but i was thinking for the third task if they had had people up in the Quidditch stands instead of down on the ground, they could have actually,
1: you know, like seen into the maze because the maze was on the Quidditch field. Right. Well, and I I kind of thought in the book, that's what they did that they were in the Quidditch stands. I thought so too, but they act like they can't see anything.
0: Right. Like, so it's like, okay, so why weren't you up in the Quidditch stands where you could have seen everything? so that makes more
1: sense you're you're just gonna stand there for an hour looking at a hedge unless they don't want them up in the stands because they didn't want them somehow magically in core hoots with the contestants and telling them where to go yeah
0: but you would think that with all the magic spells
1: that are out there they
0: would have had some sort of spell that could have like been like a one-way mirror kind of thing or something yeah so like the contestants couldn't have looked up into the stands and seen anybody but everybody in the stands could still see them i believe there is such a thing and it just was not implemented i don't know either loopholes holes in the
1: story you don't like all the loopholes well i don't i just don't think about all the loopholes i can't think of I like any good reason for why they weren't in the stands know. Uh. I don't know. All right, so what about you? Least favorite scenes. <laughs> okay, so one thing that really bothered me, and this is in the beginning, is like a very small sticking point, is the non-magic, non-human magic non magical creatures are not allowed wands. And this comes out of Winky getting a hold of Harry's wand. Well, basically, she's like standing over the wand, and Harry's wand has shot off the um, death mark. And they blame her for doing it. But, like, this kind of bugs me. Like, they, we have so many sentient magical creatures, like centaurs and mermaids, gnomes, fairies, all of this random crap. But they can't have wands. You know, it's like they're not allowed. And yet we're using unicorn hair and dragon heart strings and phoenix feathers and all these magical components to make these wands magical. But we're not letting the magical creatures have magical wands, and it's against the law if they do. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if I just like, just one of those things where, you know, like, oh, you can go and make babies with Avila, but she can't have a wand, but her kids could. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just did not sit right with me. More crappy laws from the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> yeah. Mystery magic sucks. Oh, I know. <laughs> So like just never, just never sat right with me and like listening to it again as all and it just like makes me angry. And I'm like, no. If they are sentient creatures and you can make babies with them, they should be able to have a wand. Mhm. Oh, I know. It's it's very
0: messed up. I do not approve of the Ministry of Magic at all.
1: Oh, well, at least not the British Ministry of Magic. We don't know about the American Ministry of Magic, but maybe they're better. Maybe they're not. I kind of Hate spew with passion. Yeah. I don't like yeah. I don't like house elves. Dobby really irritates the crap out of me. Winky <laughs> is a sad hot mess who I just feel bad for. And I'm like, hermione just stop. Like, girl, you don't know what you're doing. You're not paying attention to yeah, I just like girl, it just I'm like, this is like the your one not shining moment in this book to stop, you know? Yeah. Well, and the fact that she keeps pushing it, like yes she's told by
0: literally every house elf she meets except for dobby that they like where they are they like what they do Mm -hmm. and she's like she's basically telling them that they're not intelligent enough to understand why they're wrong about what they like (laughs) i'm
1: just like oh girl you are digging such a hole i know i'm like stop just stop like this is not your shiny moment honey
0: let it go. This is not the cause
1: for yes. you. There are better things for you to advocate, <laughs> not this, okay? Oh. So, yeah. Then my last sticking point is the end where Voldemort comes back and he kills Cedric. Like, this poor kid did not have to die, you know? hmm Like, he is the shining Hufflepuff. He's... His dad was stupid like I do not like his dad his dad was I for not sure that least favorite characters put his dad up there you know mm-hmm. I was texting you about how much I'm like uh Cedric's dad's obnoxious yeah but even then like he doesn't deserve to have his kid killed and Cedric did not deserve to die and it's like just I know the first tragedy in the long line of tragedies for the next upcoming books yeah, well, and
0: it feels to me like he was purposely made to be this shining example just to be killed, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. he was just too good and too nice and
1: too pure, and so right. Here's this Quidditch hero, the hero, of the Hufflepuff house. He gets chosen to do this tournament and killed. Thanks, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. So here's an
0: interesting thought. When they are putting names into the goblet of fire, it's a throwaway line, I think, but somebody mentions how one of the Slytherin six years put his name in. Can you imagine how different this book would have been with a Slytherin as
1: the Hogwarts champion? Well, especially considering I don't remember what episode we talked about it. Well, where you talked about it, how must have been in the last one, where, like, the Slytherins, like, no one was cheering for Slytherin but Slytherin themselves, and everybody was cheering for Gryffindor to have such presid—presidence against you as a Slytherin when you're not inherently a bad person. You know, whereas Death Eaters have come out of every single house. Like, I mean, Peter Pettigrew is a Gryffindor, and he's a Death Eater. And yet, you get the stigma as Slytherin that you're a bad person, and you had to fight that the entire time, and yeah, I think this book would have been like so different if that was also done. Like we would have not, we probably wouldn't have as so much sympathy for the kid who died, you know? Well, yeah, because think about it. So Harry is absolutely reviled
0: by pretty much everybody in the school at the beginning after he's chosen because everybody wants Cedric to be the champion. Mm-hmm. And so if it had been a Slytherin champion instead, that would have been totally reversed. Everybody except the Slytherins would have been thrilled that Harry was in the tournament. Yeah. And like, do you think Harry still would have told the Slytherin like he did for Cedric about the dragons? No. Exactly. And so Harry never would have gotten the clue about the egg. Because there is no way that boy would have figured that out by himself. Oh, not. Oh, <laughs> he would. Harry would have been eliminated in the second round. Literally, one hundred percent.
1: Goodbye, Harry. Because he wouldn't have. Been, he wouldn't have been prepared. He didn't know. What he to didn't do have his enough buys. knowledge to do it on the fly either. Right. Exactly. Because <sighs> Harry's a jock. He's not. He's not very
0: smart. <laughs> so, like yeah so Harry never would have even made it past the second task and you would have ended up with a Slytherin champion and would Voldemort have killed the Slytherin champion I don't know maybe maybe not I know right <sighs> so yeah oh yeah speaking of Voldemort this has got to be his most convoluted plan in any of these books like we ran into this random ministry worker and Peter lured her back and we got all of our information out of her and killed her. And then I contacted my Death Eater, who's been under the Imperious curse in his father's house all these years, instead of dead in Azkaban like we thought. And he is going to take out this ex and become the defense against the dark arts teacher in his place and use polyjuice portion all year long. And he's going to leave this very subtle trail trying to lead the very dense Harry Potter through all the tasks to get to this port key that he changed. And, make, and the port key will finally bring me to Voldemort. Like...
1: <sighs> what? You're saying that's not plausible? You're saying that's not a loophole? You're saying that that completely is exactly what would happen? Well, I'm saying I
0: don't ever want Voldemort planning an event for me. <laughs> Uh not not feeling confident, huh, with him. Oh my god. god. It's the most twisty, convoluted plot ever. And and it worked. And not only does it work, but like the reveal of Barty Crouch Jr. at the end is not something you could predict the first time around.
1: Oh my god, no, you're just like, What the hell is this? Yeah, they tell I- you
0: he's dead, so like there's
1: no oh, maybe he's still alive. Like, there's no hint of that. No, yeah, we had no idea. And then we find out, and you're just like, what? 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 Oh, I know. I, I remember like just like, I remember being mind blown by that. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And then I was pissed because my favorite character ended up not being my favorite character. Right. Oh, man, I felt so bad for the real Mad-Eye Moody because gosh, I can't remember. Does he have a pig leg? Yes, he does. Yes. So this poor guy is trapped in the bottom of a chest without his eye, without his leg. Mm-hmm.
0: Like basically just being kept alive. hmm Like, oh. Uh, I do know so no, horrible about that.
1: Uh I'm like, and no wonder Mad Eye Moody is mad. It's once again been proven why this poor guy is not sane. Yeah. <sighs>
0: Oh, my last thought is I felt really bad for Frank at the beginning. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about Frank, the groundskeeper that Voldemort kills. I know, like he has such a small part at the very beginning, but it's still like, you poor guy. This entire town thinks you killed this family, and you don't have a wife or kids or anything. You're just taking care of this old house, and then they break in and kill you, like. <laughs> Sucks. And poor Frank was like, if he'd just gone for help a little sooner. So, mm-hmm. I just felt bad for Frank because I always forget about his part until I read it again. And it's like,
1: oh, you poor guy. So, speaking of since you went into those, what was your rating for this book? Where would you rank it? <sighs> If I was rating it now,
0: maybe like a 4.25, definitely at least a solid four. And that's just because I like so much of the world expansion that
1: happens in this one. A little bit higher than me. I am more, this is not my favorite book, not my least favorite. My least favorite is still probably always going to be Chamber of Secrets, but it's pretty mm. kind of stuck with it. Okay. but then there's the next book maybe that's my third least favorite i I flip flop around okay for me this is like a 3.5 out of five stars (laughs) it's not it's i can reread the first three a whole bunch like i love rereading the first three then i get to this one and it's kind of a slog and i'm like yeah this is a good book okay oh well ron you're obnoxious harry god you're full of hormones stop beaming everyone just stop beaming Hermione like I just want to follow Hermione throughout this book I know I feel like Hermione would have been a better main character for this book right and honestly I just feel like sometimes I don't know Just not well about this book it's just not my favorite book I got nothing else to really say about it besides I like the Tri-Wizard stuff I like the Quidditch Cup stuff yeah I don't care for the teenage stuff and the end kind of sucked yeah oh, some good moments we fair Malfoy good moment Mad-Eye Moody good moment Hermione catching Rita good moment oh, yeah. good
0: moment oh, that was such a high point of the book honestly I know right
1: <laughs> all right well I think that's it for tonight uh we will see you guys again next week talk to you next week guys bye
0: If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is "Theme for an unmade anime by C.A. Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.